0: The Koi Gig Pod has made a new signing. Your goalkeeping coach is your God. Emma Byrne
1: is joining Kathleen and Karen this season. Keep up to date with all the WSL action every Tuesday and subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into
0: your flow with the new Gillette Labs razor with exfoliating bar. I'm delighted to say that we have the author of this lovely book, Amos Doggy, uh, Brendan O'Duffy with us this morning. Brendan, good morning to you. How are you? Good morning, Joe. How is, are you? Is it Brendan or Brendan? Brendan. Brendan. Okay. Um, I, I was thinking, reading through the book, that I'd love to be able to do this interview in Irish, but unfortunately... Uh, my Irish is not good enough. Not to worry. But it, the book is, is bilingual. It is. Yeah, because you guys are bilingual. Did you speak Irish at home?
1: We did. Um, the children always spoke Irish to me, Irish to the mum. Not fanatical, but that was the yeah. natural course of events in the home. And um, they could change mid-sentence from Irish to English if they were changing from one parent to another.
0: yeah. And that's why it seems so, so natural when you're thinking yeah. through the book that um, large portions of it are Osgoelga.
1: and um, I have a big association with the Gaeltacht and Donegal in an area called Ranafas in the northwest of the county. So there would be quite a few readers down there as well and Irish would be the medium that I would use speaking to them all the time.
0: I have, I have a theory that, um, I don't know if it's, it's right or wrong, but my kids are, are in school now and they're um, coming back learning Irish and I'm realising how much of a, a gap there is in my life that I'm not fluent and um, I did, you know, I, uh, I don't know if I got the name right. Mark and Megan uh, is talking about his you know, there's a hundred words for this, and there's a hundred words for this, and I, I really feel that yeah. coming across in the book that there's like um, a depth to the feeling that you're able to explain and understand and experience, and it feels to me that it's it's somehow intensified, Oscar and well,
1: even in the context of Oki and his death. Uh, um the texts to me were very important that I received and most of the texts that I received in Irish appeared that the wording, that the language was much more intimate or deeper and they were kind of contemporaneous and they still have a lot of meaning to me. I remember where I was, I remember how I felt when I opened those texts and as I said, most of them um, that have remained with me would have been texted through the Irish language.
0: I, I totally understand that because there's kind of a loneliness about the English that we use around these circumstances but there's just so many different ways to speak Os
1: There seems to be a depth there certainly that uh, they catch the emotions much more so through the medium of Irish um, and a lot of people would have texted me in Irish and in English over that time during the night from the night he died until after the funeral and um, as I said the Irish ones really caught me. I, that was one of the other
0: things that we were chatting about beforehand when we were talking about this like um there's no template for for dealing with for grief but it does seem that the contact that you got from people was one of the things that really gave you comfort and if if there's anything that anybody takes from this is like if you know anybody who's going through anything or if anybody's experiencing grief reach
1: out certainly reach out um we didn't know what was going to happen. I remember taking Ogie's body home from the morgue in Navan, and on the outskirts of Castle Blaney, everybody appeared to be out on the streets. The shops were closed, half the road was closed, the fogs, that's the local team in Castle Blaney, all their teams from juvenile to senior level were out. That really took us by surprise. And it struck me at that moment that this really isn't an ordinary funeral and that we are only playing a part in it as other people are playing their parts as well. And kind of even on that journey home in my own area, I'm a native of Cromarton Club, an intermediate club. Again, they were out on the road there as they were in Clim-Tibrit, and again the and Harps throughout the town. And that really caught me off guard. Nobody knew officially what time we were taken. Always remains home from the hospital. But nevertheless, they were out there. And I think as time has gone on, I appreciate the relevance and the significance of that support more and more. That it certainly got us through those early days. Yeah. And um, that they were there for it was overwhelming and it seemed to capture the national consciousness. Um, his death, I don't know, a young fella after playing a match, captaining a team, winning a team on the way home. I suppose all those circumstances together um, added to it.
0: Yeah, of course. And I think, like, obviously, it gets you through that uh immediate short term period when you know I, you know again I don't think anybody's ever going to understand exactly what you go through but in the months afterwards you can lean back on that experience too when when the people are gone and when the the busyness of the funeral like we're, we're great in Ireland around funerals but it's yeah. the weeks after and the months after when there's moments of silence that normally you would have been filling with conversations where you can lean back on that?
1: Yeah, I mean, you have to accept that people are going to get on with their own lives. I couldn't expect anything from any more from anybody else, particularly um, the Monaghan County Board and even more so Monaghan Harps. The personnel in there, the officers, the players, that they really took three, four days out of their lives to spend with us. Be it guards of honour, taking chairs to the house, food, everything. Sitting up the last night
2: with them, um, his uh, teammates on the senior Harps team. Uh, like when you speak with those people brendan the people that line the streets and, 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 and i recall your your words even at the at the graveside as well in that on the day of that scorching hot day of the funeral and and i was there in the in the wake house as well the night before when a lot of stories were being swapped and a few laughs as well as mm-hmm. tears amongst a lot of the teammates it strikes me maybe for people who don't realize you might just tell us the type of person ogie was and uh, and also funnily enough the type of person you learned Ogie to be after his death, because I'm sure a lot of stories came out thereafter.
1: Well, I was going to point that out, and it's one of the first sentences in the book. Um, we didn't really know Ogie until after his death. and suppose that's true of anybody. We know one side of a person. But it takes somebody in another um, sphere, be it in the workplace or socialising, that will add something to that as well. And we heard so many stories, and they were all positive. And they were all very uplifting I suppose a few adjectives to describe him well this is as a father a loving father saying this but he was very determined he was tenacious um, he was loyal um, hard working humble um, in that he had many friends who had no interest in football and even he might come from a big match and meet some other guys and football wouldn't be mentioned and um, he had no problem with that he was carefree um, happy-go-lucky um all is in good form. Incredibly positive, good mental health throughout his life. Um, mischievous. I'm not making him out to me anything but. He was a devil at times um, and mischievous. And maybe that in itself gave him a bit of credibility when he did speak. And uh, what struck me as well is how he appeared to have such a cross-section of friends. And during the time of the funeral, um, we had people from Lithuania, from Latvia, from Poland. Many people from the travelling community came into the house. It was the, f- the natural thing for them to do. And again, they were out on the streets um, in the Guard of Honour on the day of his funeral. So we seem to have this um, knack or skill, if you like, of getting on well with
2: everybody, irrespective of their background it was It was a sense of it, it was nearly a sense of leadership as well the fact that he was he was nineteen and yet lads in the club team who were in their early to mid thirties when he spoke. Carried weight, and and, you know he had that lead, those leadership qualities, which is quite remarkable for for someone of his age. Yeah,
1: and you know at nineteen, he kind of appeared to move seamlessly into the senior team. That he, the people did listen, and again we didn't know that until after the funeral. His birth was in early November. It coincided with the Harps' last championship match, um, and. For that occasion, the rest of the team sent messages to him posthumously um a kind of complimenting him and that came out about the leadership qualities that he had for them and how he always had their back and that he would support them and that they could depend on him. And that is all very consoling for us. Um, I certainly wasn't that boy at tw- 19, 20 years of age. Um, I didn't realise that Ogie was. We knew snippets of stuff here and there. like He helped people with their mental health. Um, he helped people whose cars broke down. He'd give people lifts home at nights at the weekend because he wouldn't be drinking because of matches or with the county, etc. And you certainly would hear him... In and out on the landing throughout the night, Friday, Saturday and Sunday, Bringing, to he didn't share that with us. But those stories gradually came together during the three or the four days of the week.
0: When did you make the decision that you were gonna chronicle all this and, and write it down and have the record kept yeah. and published that you
1: have published? Well um I've written a number of books, in in, textbooks in in the Irish language for Irish medium, Gael college, so it's nothing new to me, writing if you like. Um, Shortly after the funeral I thought about taking notes and keeping notes and just to remember everything that did happen, there were so many facets to it. So the notes got greater and then it was into essay format and then it became, it it came into a book and um, I'd say it was therapeutic for me in hindsight can't be sure of that but i think it was because i f- i'm as good now as i would expect myself to be um but i am and just re- it was there was some sense of that you were doing him justice that you were paying tribute to him by putting this inside two covers
0: yeah and that makes sense i think and and the other thing is that you don't want to forget any of the good stories that like so chain's talking about that mm. night like mm. obviously it, it's uh Is it traumatic to revisit any
1: of that or at this stage now? Some of it's traumatic to revisit, some of it is, but that doesn't say it's a bad thing to do it. Sometimes you have to face that. Um, and I suppose I would have said to myself oh, during the summer and holidays from school, I must give myself a day or half a day to just to um, go through all this, the most traumatic elements of it, and allow myself to cry. Now, I didn't get that half day due to comings and goings and other commitments. But um, I suppose it's not the done thing to be crying. So I think most times when we shed a tear, we try to conceal it. We tried to, to restrict it, but, as soon, but this allowed me late at night to shed a tear privately, yeah. And that I think has been beneficial. Yeah, I, I think, it,
0: like, I don't think anybody would uh, begrudge you that, or I, I think maybe we all need to start having those conversations. We're actually mm-hmm. totally fine, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's actually a very natural thing. Like, why did we evolve? Yeah. As human beings, with the facility to cry, probably because our body needs the the, yeah, the yeah. physical release of it, not and just I, the mental release. I, I,
1: I have a large circle of friends who have been very good to me for the last year and a half. Probably sick listening to me talking about Ogie, but they afforded me that opportunity, and that certainly has been advantageous. Yeah,
0: and and with the book, obviously, um, like we're asking you questions, and again, what's it right for us to ask you? What's it right for us to talk about? What's it? What's it? Like, what do we absolutely? Well, we have there's to no ask embargo it? on anything. No, but you know what I mean? Ever, like, yeah, what, what, what is the right thing? It, yeah. We don't know there's, because. There's
1: nothing right and there's nothing wrong, and grief doesn't mean the same thing to two uh, to people. There are four of us myself, my wife, Esther, two girls in the house, Claire and Anya, and we're on four parallel paths. And those paths don't really cross over. And we don't talk, we talk in general about Ogi oh, we, and we reminisce about it, but we don't go into much depth. Maybe we're afraid to because every other person's hurting as much as you and they're on the same journey maybe further ahead of you maybe approaching it in a different way
2: so we respect that uh, one of the things Brendan that that struck me and that that parallel pathways thing really struck me in the book as well you're talking about grief was was even on the night itself trying to trying to deal with it and you you name-checked Paddy McGin the local priest in Monaghan. And if you don't mind me saying the line that he that you've written in the book the line that Paddy said was Ogie's oh, gone tonight, he has left us tonight and, and you emphasise in the book how, how it made some of the gut-wrenching moments later on in the, in the following days maybe a little bit easier I, he certainly like he actually
1: shook me on the shoulder and repeated that and emphasised that a few times now how did that make things easier for me over the following few days I think um, the coffin or his remains leaving the house or even the actual burying and lowering into the grave that I know he was already gone and I had accepted that from what Father McGinn had said to me and I think yes, it did make it easier um, that those moments were merely symbolic that he was gone, his spirit, his soul whatever you want to call it it was the mortal remains only that were with us
0: Uh, That whole process that you you detail um, you know, it it is obviously, it's it's heartbreaking uh, and yet at the same time I think the fact that you've shared it in such detail will help people who read it who have experienced grief themselves and i don't know if that was part of your aim when you wrote it because you, you know the motivation is clearly to, to do justice to a life that was really well lived but i do think that like the more we talk about these things the more that there is a uh, a shorthand like it, we're, we're really good at funerals in ireland right but i'm not sure that we're great at dealing with the aftermath of the funeral when the
1: silence comes well i suppose it's going to become more private and more personal and you ha that 's when you have to deal with it yourself or in a family unit, and everybody goes back to their own um lives and even in the sporting world, the number of um Kind of dis- and tragic deaths like uh, Red in Sligo and the Komobi player in in County in, in County um, Galway and pro- just a short time was that after it um, the Kilkenny in Kilkenny and St Kieran's College the fourth year student there so other tragedies take over and regrettably more and more tragedies come to the fore and what struck me as well was the number of people who came into the house. Given us their condolences, who also suffered similar losses over the years, be it young siblings or young sons or daughters. So we have no monopoly on grief, and every one of those people um, have an enticement to advice just as I have, and I'm very mindful of that. But I think you've actually
0: helped them in a way by by so clearly expressing what you've gone through in the detail that you've gone through. It is really helpful to people when you think about it we're we're all going to suffer grief at some point in our lives because of the very nature of human life is we all die right but uh, we don't really have templates for it or uh, conversations openly about crying and about um, you know I know I know recently there's been some more books about it but uh, we're not very good at talking to people I'm not feeling great because I'm grieving for something
1: you know um, and I think that A number of people already would have spoken to me about the book and where their parents or somebody belonged to them that it has helped them, certain passages that they've read that had resonated with them on some level. And I'm delighted about that, that if it would help. And that's why I've done a number of radio interviews and an article in the Sunday Independent that Rodney Edwards penned shortly after the funeral. Hopefully that it will help. I feel so indebted to so many people that were good to us that if I can give something back to somebody else who is in mourning or grieving and I'm not going to I suppose when I go into wake houses now I say a lot less I would be a lot less dogmatic do this and do that and this is what it would be no it's so different for so many people and to afford people the opportunity or the space to talk and to be there for them to listen and to to support them whatever
2: they want to do whatever help they want from you yeah I, I even recall speaking at the, the, the Mon and Harp's event in the Hillgrove Hotel that yourself and, and your daughter Claire were at, where, where Sean Cavanagh spoke about the loss of Cormac McNallan and kind of compared it to that of Ogie in, in, in some regards. And I know Donal McNallan, Cormac's brother, I think was was in the Wake House. He was, at one stage. Donal, yes. Like, it, it must be, I don't know if comforting is the word, but it must be in some way... Uh, nice to to speak to people who have gone through it before?
1: It is and I suppose um, it gives you a bit of confidence here this guy is a number of years after the tragic death of his brother and he's got through it or getting through it and that is my objective to be on the same road as him and to continue and that uh, you know, hopefully things will work out reasonably well for us I suppose um, I don't go to the grave too often and maybe once a week, brief visits Um, I don't want the conversation of death and dying and the deceased to become a priority in my life and um, I don't want to be morbid or negative. I'd like to think that my um, default setting is jovial and positive and I'd like to continue with that. So I'm not great at sharing um, other people's experience in a graveyard setting. Yeah, and um, that's understandable. Yeah, whereas my wife would and go, go around to other graves and console people who are coming and going. Now, uh, it's interesting that really on his right and on his left there are two other Harps people as well. With the one on his right um, would be um, Charlie Shalvey who would be the father of the secretary of the club and he's fairly recently deceased and uh, Nicola the daughter was such an immense strength to us throughout this and she posted something online the morning of Ogie's funeral quite early on and it was very touching and very poignant, you know and all of what was written and said about him including by Shane on the Friday evening here on Off the Ball um, it was so so touching and it's included in the book um, that it, it, it gets to you inside. Now, a lot of these articles, if you like, the epicenter of them was Ogi, but the broadened out to maybe some facet of GAA or Monaghan GAA or clubs losing players or players struggling to keep players or some aspect of football but I suppose the starting point was with ogie and the finished off the wrapped off a lot of these articles about ogi as well
0: and that that's a legacy and like it's it's terrible to talk about somebody so young having a legacy without actually actually having the opportunity to live it but like and and the book is a legacy
1: in some ways as well it is and um it will always be there as part of my tribute to him I suppose I devoted most of the year after his death in trying to perpetuate his memory and I I've often noticed that it's a fear among people that their loved ones will be forgotten. But I don't think that will happen with Ogi and even on his tribute night in, in Monaghan Town the county, the county council or the municipal council um, renamed a road Sli Ogi e We felt Sli was a milder or softer word than Bocher. I think in the Irish language there's eight words for roads depending on and Cassan Baloch, and Ballock, Baloch Moor and Boker and Sli. We felt Sli was the better one or the best one that was available in, in consultation with the council there was a plaque uh, um, unveiled outside the Harps complex as well and then the book w- was launched by Conor Callan inside so it was a big night, it was a very uplifting night very positive night yeah. and I, I, there were people there in the audience who had suffered loss themselves um, I mentioned Red Oak I mentioned the girl from um, Galway, there was Eve Bourne a girl under uh, 12 years of age who played football with her club in Mahra Clune who was um, uh, killed in a farming accident or farming related accident and I mentioned her I referenced her on that night but her, there was an auntie in the audience who came up and appreciated that people like to be remembered
0: Yeah, no it's true uh, Shlee means way right yeah. and Ogie's way essentially is kind of what you've uh, one of the things that seems like you've um, understood more uh from the stories that people have told you uh, the lives you touch you know not to um bring it back it 's a wonderful life right that whole sense of you don 't really know about the lives that you touch until you get the opportunity and then mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and hopefully that we are touching out and we're reaching out to some people through the book and anything else that we've done, be it the article in the Sunday Independent or the Radio One interview or indeed this interview or the Radio Ngeiltacht interview. Just to mention that, um, it was to start off as a short interview but it evolved into a full one-hour documentary presented by Michelle Nikrina and produced by Donald McRury and um, it's actually nominated for a award now um, next month but I would know both Michelle and Donal quite well and her links in the interview with me I found very final. That it, it, This is somebody else that for the first year after his death, I could speak about oh, that he was dead, that he was gone I'm not stupid but I'm not sure if I realised that if I acknowledged that inside, if I recognised, I'm not sure what verb to use but funny enough after the tribute night Uh, um, and a year had passed it became more final and more real for me in that I couldn't refer back to this day last year what was Ogie doing or was he away working or was he in the car or was he playing a match he wasn't with us this time last year so that even crossover was um, significant that there is now certainly a realisation that he's gone and actually a number of people who had suffered loss at the wake house told me you won't realise for a year that he's dead that was true. That was true.
2: How how important are items, you know, in, in, I'm thinking back to, well, I remember at the, at the burial the I think, the was it the Down or the Donegal players came over? Uh, the, the Donegal players certainly came over that had played in the previous week. I know the Down, there was a moment's, minute's applause at the Ulster under 20 final that Ogie should have been leading the team out at the, the following week or two. Um, and you have at home, and it's mentioned in the book as well, the framed... Donegal jersey from that game, and also a framed Monaghan jersey, unwashed that that Ogie wore literally couple of hours before and I suppose it's the closest we'll get to him I think that's mentioned in the book that his DNA is still on
1: it it's framed it's unwashed and that was purposely done like that I would collect memorabilia I'd been doing so from the under the 18 um, or the under 17 final and that campaign where they won the league and um, championship double in Ulster in 2018 and I felt like years to come when we're gone maybe oakie would like to show all these things to his um, friends or to his family and on that Tribute night. There was a kind of a display, or I think exhibition might be too grand of a word to describe it. But there was a a mini exhibition of everything belonged to him: jerseys, football program, newspaper cuttings, medals, etc. And we have a large box at home and jerseys and that, and everything's in that. And as you say, Shane, and the Donegal jersey worn by the number six. is on the wall and ironically um, I would have known him and his parents very well from the Gidor Club um, neighbouring club to neighbouring area to Ranafast if you like and the goalkeeper Dahi Roberts as well I would know his parents very well and um, they were playing that night and Ogie would have met them over the years and went and acknowledged them at the beginning of the match and again at the end of the match And, um, they were, the families were with us the following day, as were many from the Donegal team and the management from the under 20 team were with us, um, including, um, Eamon McGee and, um, QE McGarvey as well or sorry, Oney McGarvey um, or another Ranafas man so this helped from the J A community, it wasn't limited to the Harps or to the Monaghan County Board, it was in Ulster and indeed we got so many letters from inter-county players and retired inter-county players from throughout the country and from the parents of players many we didn't know and indeed many people that I hadn't met in my life for the last 30 years, maybe. Yeah. But they would, they could tell me what I said to them verbatim 25, 30, 32 years ago when they suffered loss. Or maybe somebody that's you helped me with a CV, or you did a mock interview with me, or you, you gave me reference books for a course I was doing, or you phoned up somebody on my behalf, or whatever. The number of people, I would feel that anything I gave, for the rest of my life, all came back from me um, uh, twofold, threefold, since Obi's death.
2: Yeah. I, I think I, I was it um, Nia Fitzpatrick, who's the grief counsellor. I think she's written a couple of books on the subject. Now, her sister Dara Fitzpatrick mm-hmm. was, of course, one of the Rescue 116 uh, helicopter pilots. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it was her that spoke about, as, as difficult as it is to remember, the last conversation she had with Dara and how trivial maybe it seemed at the time. But everyone who has lost someone, and yourself included, has had to to deal with that. And, and even though probably looking back, Brendan, it's it's a trivial conversation. It's a tangible thing for you to hold on to now. That conversation with, with Ogie.
1: Yeah, well, it might have been a fragmented conversation. It was really before he went to the match. My wife Esther was in Medjugorje on pilgrimage they were playing in Enniskillen um, that evening against Donegal Um, I think he had to be out in Cloughan which is the centre of excellence where the bus was leaving at half past three Um, his younger sister Anya was making the dinner the dinner had to be ready at ten to three and a kind of day was revolving around this that he would be gone at the right time that he wanted Seemed a little bit nervous, kept asking the time, what time is it now, five past three, what time is it, ten past three, what time is it, a quarter past three. And around this time and maybe an hour beforehand, he would have been um, visited by a number of Harps players, just wishing him well. You know, and good luck for the match, and coming into the street, spending a few minutes and and talking to him. Now, Esther was speaking to him after the match, and... um, we went for a takeaway on the way home half past 10, 11 o'clock and as we were leaving the the takeaway my younger daughter Anya got a voice message for him um to get him a takeaway so she returned into the takeaway got him that and um that takeaway remained on the table throughout the night it's so heartbreaking and um you know i i know i can we can see how difficult it is to to revisit it but it's I, just certain moments like that you know leaving the house to go to the match on, the, on that last day there are certain things that would get to you and even during the time of the funeral there were certain things impacted on me um more than others if you like as i mentioned Castle Blaney and how the streets were throng there um the harps staying up at in the wake house on the last night um and two of his friends who have nothing to do with football would know the shape of a football spent the night in his room um, and the guards of honour from the house to the cathedral the senior team filing into the house um, at about nine o'clock on the previous night including Seamus McNey, the team man or the Seamus was, was with them and Andy Callan, who was the under twenty manager. Seamus Banty McNaney was with them then the under eighteen level. Um suppose watching the video on the first occasion um was difficult as well, the video off the funeral. The round of applause that we got going into Old Cross Square, um you know, a spontaneous round of applause from the people in the guard of honour as we were approaching the cathedral. L- looking at the Derry Minor team um, th- th- that were there as well, that um, and the Down team who they were to play the following week on elevated ground in the graveyard. Um, the, I mentioned the text messages earlier; quite poignant, very touching, very deep, very intimate. Uh, so those are. Kind of stand out moments, if you like, um, and I suppose this synopsizes the generosity, the kindness that we received from so many people. It was overwhelming, really. You know,
0: I, it's a sign of the lives that you guys have obviously touched, um, separate to him, and then the lives that he touched as well. And like you know, we, we we're a sports program here, and he was obviously a young sports star, but the involvement with the community. It's, it's obviously not just the GA, it's the Irish language and it's everything else that you've been involved in as well, that all those communities rallied around.
1: There's no doubt about that. And initially he might have started playing soccer at six or seven years of age, um, but soon realised that it was Gaelic football that was embedded in the community and soon realised that it was the game of Gaelic football that had the national, the high national profile. And that this is what he should be at. Um, And he never, uh, he was also interested in boxing and gymnastics and rugby, but there weren't simply enough days in the week to bring him to everything. He did play basketball at school level and club level, club, um, the Blackwater Steelers. uh, He would have uh, spent a number of years swimming with Slave Bay and represented them as well. He was just agile, he was an athlete, and irrespective
2: of what sport it was, you know, and I suppose they were all complimenting each other and to his benefit. Uh, yeah, uh, just from my perspective, Brendan. Obviously, uh, before we finish, like, uh, and I've said it before in that, in that chair it was that the, the funeral was obviously something that I'd never, I'd never seen the likes of before in Monaghan, and um, li- unlikely to see it ever again. Um, I think the, the the strength you showed in <clears throat> speaking at the, the graveside for the for the ten minutes or whatever it was was I'd never seen anything like it, and the family and and the way it was handled um, by the G.A. and by yourselves. Um, and look, just appreciate you coming in and, and I think, I think I the had no
1: intention to speak at the funeral at all or in the graveyard but my wife nudged me to say a word of thanks to Andy Callan, the under-20 manager who had spoken before that and then when I did take the microphone I felt it incumbent on me to thank a few people and maybe to emphasise the work of the GAA Mon and Harps and all the Mon and Harps around the country Um, that for what they do for young people and irrespective of whatever grants they get from national government it's not half enough for the work they do be it mental health and I just pose the question what would the majority of young lads and the girls be doing if they weren't playing Gaelic football that they are actually filling a massive void there on behalf of the government to ensure positive mental health among our young people
0: Um, We talked about the... the Irish
1: words have multiple meanings. What, what does almost mean to almost you? Almost would be tribute. Right. Yeah, I suppose, and it's, it's broader than tribute it is, as well. It's something. It's, it's difficult actually to um, specifically translate a word from one language to another. But the easiest thing to say is that it's tribute. But it's deeper. It's broader than that. Yeah, it, yeah. It ha- it's, it's respected and it, it takes mass. It uh, respect into it as well. When
0: I was googling it, mass was what came across mm-hmm. as well. And it's mm-hmm. like so. Um, I, I think you've, you've managed to pull it off, and obviously, it's. Uh, It's been a heartbreaking work to do, but it feels like it's given you, and I hope your family, and anybody who reads it some, some room
1: there's no doubt about it it has been beneficial and we have that as a memory and it's there it's uh, available in the shops and it's selling well and it's a kind of a present to really to put the gift to people uh, it's a tenor. it would have cost much more to you know when you're doing them in small relatively small numbers um, to be printed um, you're not going to make money in a book that wasn't the intention it's really a gift to the community the GA people so while it's a book of loss and grief. It's also a book of the vibrancy of youth and about football, and particularly football in Monaghan and in the Harps. Uh, and if anybody does want to get their hands on it, where can they get it? It's in Easton's in Monaghan Town, in Supervalue in Castelblaney, and Bordies, in Carrickmacross.
2: I'd be similar enough to Jaron that my, my Irish has probably let let must let it go since the, the leaving start, I think I said, on, on on the day when I was speaking about him in here, in Eva, had the We'll never see his likes again. But I think you've done a you've done a seriously important thing here in writing the book and you probably don't even realise it yet, Brendan. But a lot of people are gonna pick up copies of this book and take something from it because we all go through loss at some point, so fair play for yeah. doing it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks a million for coming in today. That's today's show, we leave it there. i see you tomorrow. OTB
1: AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.